the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We are back. The time is 622. Brandon, are you on the line? I am. All right. Brandon, what if it's true? Yeah. What if it's true that you and I are under the wrath of God and that, as it has been stated for thousands of years now, the wages of sin is death. But Uh the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that proposition has been offered to you and me and billions of people for millennium now. What if it's true, notwithstanding all of the uh, bad witnesses and examples of of persons and parties that don't do a great job of representing the deity who, 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 who makes this proposition? What if it's true? What if it's true still that after all of the good that you have done or I have done, that we mm-hmm. still come short of the glory of God. And because we have rejected Jesus Christ as the only way out from our sins, that we will perish in hell. What if it's true? I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. If, the if, the if question it's is, if it's true, then it's true. Right. I mean, the, question, yeah. the question being is, if it's true, then mm-hmm. all of the arguments that we would exercise as skeptics against the truth avail nothing if in fact Uh it's true. Well, of course. But the only way that we could tell that it was true is by evidence and not by feeling and not by personal impression, not by the witness of the Holy Spirit, because Mormons say the same thing, that they have a burning in the bosom, and that's the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. They use the exact same words, that Joseph Smith was a prophet and you know, that, that Jesus came and witnessed to people in the Americas and everything. They say the exact same thing. So the only way, I, I don't have access to your internal emotional state. I don't have access to the Mormon boys who come by my house or whatever, or the Jehovah's Witness family who comes by and, you know, wants to, wants to witness, or to the Muslim who says, you know, I was, I was an alcoholic, I was, I was wayward, and, sure. and, and, you know, Allah saved me and, and, and made me into a moral person. Well, okay, maybe. The only thing that I have access to is the evidence that both of us can examine objectively outside of our own heads. And so that, I think, is what the question comes down to. I believe you when you say that you sincerely believe these things. I don't think that you're lying to me. I give you the benefit of the doubt that you have access to your own emotions and your own mental state and can fairly represent that to me. Of course. But I also have to extend the same courtesy to somebody else when they tell me, yeah, but I had an encounter with fill in the blank with some other God, and I know that that God is real. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, an outside observer, someone like me, looking at the both of you says, I believe both of you, that you're sincere in your beliefs, but you both can't be right at the same time. Right. And, and you just asserting that it's true does me no good. I still can't tell the difference because both of you can assert with equal strength and with equal uh, a sense of certitude, and you can use the same presuppositional arguments to support your belief. Well, if you don't accept that this is true, then nothing else makes sense. Well, I, I, okay, no, I don't see that that is actually the case, that one follows from the other, 
And since it's av- the argument is available to both of you equally convincingly, it doesn't actually settle the question. So the only thing I have to answer that question with is the evidence. And in order to do that, you have to be able to do it um, with the understanding that the evidence may not go in the direction that you want it to. We all want things. We all want certain things to be true. I would love, honestly, I would love it if there was an alien species, because I grew up on, like, Star Trek and stuff. Me too. It would be awesome if they Me actually too. came and visited. Me right? too. It, I think that would be really, really great. That would be really cool. Even though I want that to be true, I know that there is insufficient evidence to say that anybody is being abducted by aliens and being given rides in spaceships and stuff. I still think that that's people who are delusional or making things up for profit or whatever. There's just not enough evidence to say that any of those people are But see, you know know when you do that. Now, you know when you do that. And and this is where you and I would have, every time we come to to discuss these things, where you begin to talk about insufficient evidence. I I say Mm -hmm. to myself, Brandon is asserting a kind of omniscience that basically... No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Brandon. There's insufficient evidence to convince me. Uh, and that's Maybe right. There's sufficient and evidence to convince you, but I have not seen sufficient evidence right. to convince me. Right. And, and when I hear that, that's all I hear as the Bible would clearly assert that you okay. don't have sufficient evidence. Right. You don't right. have sufficient evidence for you to be a believer. And, right. and, and, and consequently, you are left with that condition. And, 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 and I was under that same assumption before I became a believer, too. That's irrational. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. I mean, why would God uh, uh, want to punish me? I'm not that bad of a Joe. Um, I certainly did enjoy Star Trek and, and all of that. And yeah. I've kind of worked through some of the um, metaphorical, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, connotations of that with regards mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, what might possibly be in terms of what's coming in the future. I don't I don't just from a scientific standpoint, not even from a theological standpoint. I don't I don't preclude that that does not constitute some possibility. And the reason why is because I can be a theologian and not walk under the assumption that I have a full handle of everything going on outside of our particular galaxy or or, or, or the the world that we happen to perceive and walk in. I do believe in parallel worlds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most most religious people do that. There is another world beside this world. And that would then therefore open the door for what we would call aliens. They could be angels. They could be a bunch of things. Um, and, And so what people would struggle with is just not being able to be comfortable with dealing with capitalism. Categories that are outside of their ability to either hold in tension with what they hold as a presupposition or just it's just too far fetched for them, period. In any event, we're operating really out of both objective uh, criterion as well as subjective criterion. You are, I am, if we really were to work it through. And I think the only thing we could do if after we talk for um, hours and hours and hours, which I'm, I'm, I'm actually more for talking these days and <clears throat> killing people just because they don't agree with me. Um, sure. And I think you are too. I think once we kind of lay out all of our arguments and begin to realize that um, as, as much as I think my arguments are valid, coherent and approving of my point that whatever mm-hmm. it is that is impeding our capacity to come to an agreement um, has to be left there. And we still have to exercise the moral um, I think responsibility of uh, of respecting one another and still trying to get along with one another on this planet, since there's a lot of stuff that overlaps in terms of our responsibilities and privileges. I, I agree. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the only practical thing that we can do. I don't ever enter into a discussion with the belief that 
in that moment, I'm going to change someone's mind about anything. Right. Um, whether it's whether it's an, an issue of science, which I think you you can make a way stronger case about uh, the effectiveness of medicine, or you know the nonsense of uh, new age crystal healing, whatever, or politics, which is something I hold with way less conviction because I don't actually know if I'm right. I have certain opinions, but right. they're way less based in data. Right. But when it comes to something. And when it comes to something like religion, yes, I agree that we need to have uh, some kind of basis for treating each other well. I obviously don't advocate for removing any rights or anything from religious people. Uh, I would hope that most religious people, um, and that's sort of changing, I guess, slowly, uh, would be able to extend the same courtesy to me, that whatever rights they have are rights that I also have. Um, Agree. If you want, if you want a, a, a window into at least an outside observer now, and but someone who spent years and years in the church, sure. as to why religious people in general um, and and Christians in this particular discussion have a hard time with cynicism, is I think because the 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 environment that they spend most of their time in is cynical, right? In that in that 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 dictionary definition toward human motivations, right? All human motivations are always suspect because they're always tainted by sin. And so then your own reason is tainted by sin and that sort of thing. And so there's, there's not a heavy emphasis on, at least, and it, it depends on the tradition that you come from, but in many traditions in Christianity, there's, there's just not a giant emphasis on reasoning through things, about looking at evidence and going, well, maybe I'm wrong. That's, that's just not the message, because the message is one that's supposed to reinforce faith, right? Um, and that's a difficult thing to do when you're asking people to possibly change their minds about things that they feel really strongly on based on the evidence. In it's a lot really of ways, to do that. yeah, we're back to square one, and, and, and our time is up for that. I think in a lot of ways, when you uh, make that assumption about the inside work of the church, I think that in reality, um, very healthy churches, Brandon, are doing modification of their views um, all the time. That's what we call transformation. It's a consequence of sanctification, so that not, not only uh, on a local level, uh, but uh, on a global level, but historically, what we are seeing is um a better um a better manifestation of of working through uh what we would call presuppositional truth uh in in our world in a way that is much more productive and less cynical um though though thoroughly skeptical meaning that um we we do believe that when the church is healthy we are much more a positive force in the world than if the church wasn't here at all and that would require a kind of uh coherency of uh both logic and, and truth empirically for that to occur. And and so we actually think that we are doing a better job at that. And, uh, and it's rooted in our faith that's growing us uh, in more of a commitment to God, not only in terms of God being God supremely, but, uh, but his nature and his character is manifesting itself in our lives in a way that, um, that testifies to his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness, which calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves, um, uh, even to the degree of the proposition that I laid out before you. Ultimately, for Christians, when we have tried to and maybe uh, succeeded or failed at loving our neighbor as ourselves, our ultimate objective is to make sure you know that um, your lack of uh, acquiescence to the truth 
that has to do with eternity and sin and, and the wrath of God is really an expression of our love as well, even though we expect most people not to believe it. It simply is for me that when once we make that 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 proffer to um, our unbelieving friends and loved ones that um, that we don't then turn around and become uh, not only um, skeptical because we're given to be skeptical, but like you said, cynical because God's not really calling us to that. You don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with you on the higher principles that constitutes my faith, but we do have to find a way to agree enough to live in this world while we are in the same space dealing with a lot of the same problems because I'm obligated to by my God, even to the degree of laying down my life for you, should that be called for. And so I think those are the kind of tensions and parameters we all have to work towards. Right. Can I ask one last question before Sure. Just one last thing. So you asked me earlier, uh, you know, what if it were true that I, you know, we're all under the judgment of God and that sort of thing. Right. Let me ask you a question then. Mm-hmm. What if it's false? Okay. Mm-hmm. In in the sense that, uh, it, you know, a Muslim who believes sincerely, under your understanding of the world, right, where 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 Jesus is Lord, that believing Muslim is under a delusion. Right. Right. But they may not be able to tell the difference. Okay. They're not. They, they may not necessarily be in a place where they know that. That's the whole point of being under a delusion, is that you sincerely believe something that isn't true. Right. Right? If you—if what you believe about the universe and about the existence of God and that sort of thing wasn't true, how could you tell? Right now, how could you tell the difference between what you believe so sincerely in your heart is true— if it turned out that it was, you know, factually not, it, it, it's either the case or it's not. How can you tell the difference based on what you feel about this? You, you can't. You, know that it's you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to. So you would not know if, if, and I'm not saying it is, if Jesus wasn't real or he right. was a man right. only and he didn't rise from the dead. Right. You could be under a delusion and not know it. To the degree that we don't have all of the uh, evidence that goes beyond the empirical and historical facts concerning what we have, you know, we have argued this concerning the the real nature of Christ, the real humanity of Christ, the real witnesses and testimonies of Christ. This has been shredded and argued on both sides for for decades. And we are adequately confident that he did come. He did die. He did rise. He did ascend into heaven, both in terms of the empirical data that that testified to him rising from the dead, as well as what we would call the biblical data that is a kind of bleed over from the historical data. So we in the Christian church are very confident around what we call the person and work of Christ. And yet that does not that does not mean that we are omniscient and, and accurate on all factors of biblical truth, but in core essential factors that we are called to adhere to, such as uh, the matter of salvation, which is what makes us distinctly Christian, and a need for all men to know Christ in a saving way, we are very confident by both the historical data and the sacred data that we um, are on good footing when one would demand empirical evidence. And all it would require is for us to enter into that debate. Um, could we be wrong? Uh, just speaking on a more objective propositional level, I suppose that's very possible, but we don't believe it at all. Sure, sure. And I just want you to appreciate the only reason I brought that up was not to necessarily poke at you, mm-hmm. but 
that I'm in the same spot. I could be wrong. Right. I might be. Maybe you are correct. Maybe I am living under the judgment of God right now. Right. And I don't really know it. Right. Because I sincerely don't think. I don't say that I know that there is no God. I sincerely think, based on what I have seen so far in life, mm-hmm. that that claim that there is a God is probably not true. Got I it. couch that in a lot of qualifiers because that's the most I can say. Absolutely, and I, I would love don't to think that it's true. Right, and and I would love to um, in the future engage some of the sort of you know. Um, queries that go on with you along those lines. And I wouldn't doubt if that I would be able to actually identify with some of those concerns relative to my own mortality and human weakness. I think we have to be honest about that. Even as Christians, our faith sure. does not preclude us from doubts and suspicions and, 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 and queries that might even challenge our own faith. If we're going to be honest, listen, Sure, sure. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat when it comes to that sort of thing. Absolutely. 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 Listen, thank you for the call. And and continue to call, Brandon. Thank you. I'm going to take a break, let them clean up this stuff, and then we come back. We'll take a few calls before we close out the program on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. All right. This um, that was a good, a good conversation that I had with Brandon. I actually always appreciate when he calls. This might be a little bit of a challenge for some of you who may have been uh, tracking with us for years now. Brandon calls from time to time every couple, two or three months on average uh, and engages me as an avowed um, atheist, secularist, um, um, his his field is science, and therefore he feels like he has enough. He's armed with enough data to at least have um, um, a rational uh, debate, um, <clears throat> non pejorative debate with me on these matters. And I've been enjoying him and enjoying um, how we have been concluding our discourse over the years. I hope it's a model for you because the distinction between cynicism and skepticism. Uh, if if uh, if we may, has to do with your ability to have uh, a good handle on objective truth for yourself, um, biblical proposition for yourself. Be able to debate biblical proposition with an atheist um, <clears throat> while not becoming a cynical um, and exercising cynical statements and, and ideas toward that individual if all he's doing is asking you to give him evidence. Um, knowing that um, under the present spiritual condition of such a one, if God doesn't grace him to see the truth, he can't. But I don't have to be cynical about that in relationship to his person. Um, I'm obligated to be very committed to the stewardship of the word of God. Explain to him what the Bible says concerning all mankind. Of course, the privilege I have with Brandon, if you guys don't know, (laughs) is that Brandon knows a lot about the Bible, a whole lot more than Christians do, having gone to seminary. Uh, before becoming an atheist and um, and moving away from biblical proposition, which is not something uncommon. Lots of people do. Lots and lots of people do. And in fact, just to state it before I go to the phone lines, and Jesse, I'm going to call uh, call on you first, and then uh, James, I'm going to call on you, and then LaVon, we're going to close. Um, the reality is that the question that, that Brandon raises about um, skepticism or empirical evidence or even the conviction and conscience of the hearts of men, particularly in the Christian camp, is that a lot of Christians are just not capable of even contemplating the possibility of them not actually believing what they assert to believe 
um, because of the fear of what comes along when you have to sit and think about um, um, ideas that come from the word of God that you cannot quite get a handle on. Or deep down in your soul, you don't know if they're true. A, a great, great, great opportunity for you to simply be honest at the level that you do believe in truth. In other words, Christian, you are not called to be omniscient. You are not called to have to prove that your faith requires you to believe beyond your ability to believe. That would be hypocritical. God has enough grace for you and I to, to maintain and sustain our faith in what we believe and to maintain our faith in God in the areas in which we don't find ourselves believing. It is not hard at all for me to be able to recognize and uh, agree with Brandon on a human level of all kinds of doubts and fears and questions and concerns, even about the word of God. I was just um, going through a two and a half hour um discussion by one Daniel Wallace, most theologians who are aware of, uh, you know, church history and, and uh, bibliography would know Daniel Wallace is one of the leading scholars in, in Greek grammar. And uh, Daniel Wallace was speaking to the sufficiency of the New Testament relative to all of the um, manuscript evidence that we have and how even some of our scholars make hard mistakes. Um, uh, Bart Ehrman as well has made mistakes in, in asserting that because of all of the errors that are found, the, the variants in, in the manuscript documents, that there's great conclusion or good conclusion to deny the inerrancy and in, 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 in fallibility of Scripture. Well, Daniel Wallace did a great, great, great job of explaining that just because there are variants uh, in the manuscripts does not cause us to have to conclude that we are dealing with the impossibility of having an errant Bible. You just have to do the homework, do the research, and have really good logical principles on how to adduce from all the manuscripts what we would what we would clearly consider the verbal plenary uh, inspiration infallibility of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's going to be argued, yes, but when you enter into that kind of dialogue and speculation and theory and analysis and and and, and exegetical uh, research, as those scholars do, and just being a pastor, being in that mix, observing and watching, it actually bolsters my faith. But what it tells me, you guys, is that the common Christian and everyday believer is not going to be able to actually engage with a a Brandon type who may be able to challenge you at some sensitive and limited areas of your walk. What does that mean? That does not mean that just because you can't win an argument against a uh, Brandon type does not mean that you are wrong. It just means that you are not the person to engage him at that level. But see, conversely, what I appreciate about Brandon over the years now is that he is very much open now to the reality that he could be wrong. And that that humility is important on all of our parts. Let me go to line number uh, four and talk with Jesse in San Jose briefly. Jesse, how are you? Hey, hey, Pastor, how are you doing? Thank you for your patience. Now let's get at it short order. This Saturday, we are going to be gathering again around our Revelation Bible ministry, correct? That's right. Yep. And, and Saturday the, from 8 to, to 2 p.m. From 8 to 2 p.m., you guys, my dear brother, along with uh, my sister Chana and a handful of other believers, we gather on Saturday mornings every couple, two or three weeks from around 8 to 2 p.m. And what we do, um, uh, Jesse, can you explain what we do? 
Yes, uh, what we do is that uh, by God's grace, and it's all by His provision and mercy, He provides for Bibles to be tabbed, and they're tabbed by the volunteers. They're handwritten on. Uh, then there's engravers, and then there's four different engraving teams that engrave the actual uh, inmate's name right on the cover in gold, and then it's shipped in. Right. And by God's grace alone, uh, somewhere between 100 to 200 plus Bibles go out every other Saturday. Right. Now, now and, the, the joy of this, you guys, and unfortunately we don't have a whole lot of time, but the joy of this is that uh, Jesse and China and others, they contact inmates from different prisons, at, at least around California, inmates who are hungry for God's word, inmates who are hungry for a, a knowledge of the gospel, which only comes through God's word. And we have been able to... Um, facilitate them by donations and financial support to buy quality Bibles and then have their names engraved in a quality way, like um, like Jesse was saying, in gold, so that when they receive their Bibles, they are personal with their names on it, and they are quality Bibles, which we don't know of any other ministry doing that. And God uh, has allowed Jesse and China to be part of this for a number of years now. And obviously it's growing because God is working. And we want to encourage you to come out on Saturday if you're not doing anything and you want to be part of a really satisfying and productive time where we, of course, we feed you. Uh, and we we fellowship around uh, putting Bibles, packaging Bibles, engraving Bibles, uh, and then reading the phenomenal testimonies of men and women who have been blessed by this kind of activity. Um, it's so much really to talk about, but if you want to experience it, come out with myself and Jesse and China and others at Grace and our friends who come from different places as well this Saturday to join us in uh, packaging Bibles and preparing to mail them out. We have a challenge of getting out anywhere from 100 to 200 Bibles, as Jesse said. And it's a great labor of love, which we do for free because it's all done by donation. And if you're asking the question, what can I do for the Lord? Uh, for just a few hours a day in the community of men and women who have a love for men and women being reached with the gospel who cannot come themselves to hear it, this is a great opportunity. You can meet us at oh, Grace that's Bible absolutely Church. Absolutely right. Yeah, Pastor, and I have a little thank you note. I don't know if we have time. It takes about sure. 30 seconds here. Sure, but just sure. A little note here. Sure. This came in on uh, a few months ago. And so there's a queue. There's about 800 to 1,000 letters that are always in the queue. Yeah. And so by God's grace, that's coming down. But it says this, it says, Dear Bible Ministry, it is November the 24th, 2017, and I just received the giant print reference Bible that your ministry mailed to me. Yeah. I thank the Lord I can read the Bible once again. It's great having your own Bible with your name on it in gold, exclamation yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. How great that is. I have started reading every word, and with tears in my eyes, I know the Lord loves me. Yeah. Thank you to your ministry. I can read every word now, and that is great. Your mail is the first mail that I've received in over 20 years. See? And yeah. it's the best mail I've, I've had. Now, see... Thank you, and thank you over and over for sending me this Bible, large print. You need to understand also that the Lord is in my heart, and He loves us and cares for us. May our Lord be with you always. Love and prayers, your brother in Christ, Larry. Listen, Jesse, thank you for the call. I'm looking forward to brothers and sisters coming out. I'll give another shout out maybe a minute before our time is up. I want to get one more caller. Thanks for the call, my brother. You, we'll Pastor. see you Saturday. Bless you. Bless you. Let me go to line number three and talk with LaVon in San Francisco. LaVon, are you there? I am. What's your question, you? comment, or observation on what we were talking about? 
Yeah, uh, I, I heard a lot of things uh, for the short time possible. I've heard about cynicism, mm-hmm. uh, skepticism. Yeah. Uh, and I never really like to be cynical, mm-hmm. personally. Right. Um, I can be humorous, right. but loving. Right. Uh, I think God's way is getting to know him by his name and getting to know his way through his word. Mm-hmm. spending quality time with him, and most importantly, a permanent relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Right, right, right. Um, and so your takeaway from all of that that was spoken about today is that um, cynicism sometimes can be simply a substitute for us not actually having a deep and profound relationship with God. Yeah. In other words, the more we know God, the more we love him, the more we're like him. Exactly, because you're, you're, a, you're not, uh, you can never be God, but you can emulate the things of God. He told us to be imitators of his word, so then we become more like him through that, that connective tissue of having a relationship with him. Right, and the, and it's not, and it's more than through his word. It's through his son, because his son right. is, is a perfect representation of himself. And Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So between the Spirit of Christ in us and the Word of Christ to us, the Father who sent the Son and the Word is able to make us more like Him. And really, that's the end game, isn't it, Levon? Isn't it end game that we are to in communion with the Father through the Son and by His Spirit become more like Him? And that's going to be the reason why people are persuaded of the glory of the gospel because they see its impact in our life. Absolutely. Listen, you have been patient with me about that. I totally do. As well. I totally do. I totally do. (laughs) Thank you for the call. Let me go to line number three and talk with James. James, are you there? We're going to close this thing out, brother. Are you there? James going once. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, brother. We got about a minute. Okay, I'm just going to leave you with this. You started off the program uh, with your monologue speaking on how in years past we were manipulated uh, uh, by the media. Right. And I don't think we've been manipulated any more, uh, any more than right now with so-called, you know, fake news and things of that, uh, things such as that, as you well know, uh, with the, uh, I'm sorry, I mean, I mean, just what's been put out there with uh, with, with the liberal media. Agree. It's definitely not biased. It's not biased. It's not impartial. Uh, so when I heard the first, when I first heard the term fake news, I really didn't, you know, I really didn't understand. Uh, but now it, I'm beginning to obviously see clearly, clearly more and more uh, what we're talking about. I mean, uh, what they're talking about. Not saying that theirs is all the way true, but at least. It's balanced. There's still another side, a side to, uh, there's more than one side to a story. Uh, the Gospels affirm that uh, when it comes to reporting. Amen. And I just, uh, and I just leave you uh, also with this, is that uh, 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 no probia, I'm not saying it right, but trust and verify uh-huh. as far as cynicism. Yep. I mean, I think the Lord has brought us too far not, uh, not to be able to assess the situation knowing it. The whole thing, you haven't heard the whole story. You got to go to five W's, who, what, when, where, why. I agree. You know, any situation, any situation, because there's more there than what's told. It's time for us to stop being manipulated by propaganda, and let's just search for truth. Let's search for the whole story. Amen. The conclusion of the whole thing. 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. Yep. Thank you for that. We're going to shut it down here this way by saying, um, if you are my disciples, indeed, then you will continue in my word and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. All right. God bless you. Until next time. Keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.